If it involves sitting down, I bet Bruce Willis is on it. (laughs) Fucker. Gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I'm your host, Adam Fortress, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. Booyah. And we are back. Yes, that's right. We gave you two episodes Booyah. in a very, very short time. Why? Because we missed last week, and we got to give you everything, man. Because let me tell you. Baba Booey. Baba Booey, indeed. <laughs> we, well, we got to get back on, on track here, and we've watched so much stuff that it is un. Believable. So, uh, you know, let's 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 go ahead and get on into it. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, we mentioned it last episode. Let's mention it this episode again. Uh, if you want to uh, give us a five star review on iTunes, man, I know it's been a while since we've actually asked for those, uh, but it'd be really appreciative uh, if you guys did that, man, because it really helps us out. It helps. Uh, they say iTunes ranking. I don't know how true that is, but you know we. We, we'll we'll we, try whatever they tell us to try. They're like, uh, well, it's about the uh, it's about the certain sort of things in the, and you just like you you, you really don't even know what this. Oh, someone who pays you. That's how it. That's how it really works. But let's you know let's let's go on the idea that for somehow some way that it goes on iTunes reviews that would help us out. So if you can go on down, drop a five star review, and uh, we'd really appreciate that, man. We also. Want to te- Good God, I can't talk Ooh. today. We also yeah, want to. T- shut up! You shut your face right now. We're going to talk about the people that go and help us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheFilmFind. Why? Because those people, uh, what's it called, are the best. They're the best of the people. Let me see if I can pull them up here because I want to make sure I get everybody's name in here correctly. Uh, we are now. We have ten patrons. So. Bravo to you guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, up here at the, uh, well, it didn't, Maria's actually jumped up. She jumped up to 10 bucks. It's not reflected on this on this particular chart, but she jumped up to that $10 level, as has Krista and our good buddy Warren. Uh, thank you guys so much for that. And, of course, at the $5 level there, our good friend Matt Schnapp, as always, that guy is always coming in being strong. Tim, as we talked about last week, uh, Jacob, uh, Kate, uh, Ricardo, Maria, Rocket Face and Eric, thank you guys all so much uh, for helping support this here program. And you can always do that at patreon.com slash the film fine. What do they get when they get stuff like this, man? Uh, they get special episodes. They get shout outs. 
they uh i guess anybody could do this but they definitely do get this they interact with us on twitter mostly me adam's not on there that much <laughs> not that much not really uh, yeah so so if you want to know what being a patron is like you can hop on twitter and follow me and uh learn what my shit opinions are about everything <laughs> i tell you what <clears throat> What a benefit. I don't know that I'm selling this as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, people are just going like, oh, oh, is, is, that, is that what I get? Fuck that noise. No, thank you. Uh, but I will say this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm taking a, I'm taking a, uh, a page out of the book. Here's here, like, and I'll, I'll readily admit this. Over the course of all my podcasts and stuff, I take what I like from other podcasts and apply it to my own show. You know, it's taking it. It's like, I like a little bit here. I like a little bit there. Ooh, that's a little something that I think uh, could benefit our show. And so I'm going to take yeah. a little page out of the night attack book. Anytime before our shows, uh -oh. if you adjust your uh, pledge in an upward fashion, you will get your name mentioned on the show in a great way. A big time way. Even if it's, you know, 50 cents, a dollar, whatever. Uh, or if you're brand new, of course. But the closer that you get it up to the front of the uh, to the show, we usually record. Uh, we'll see on Monday nights, just to give you a good deadline. Uh, but you'll get a big, giant welcome from us in a crazy, echoey sort of wild and way. So just do it, just do it, man, and see what happens. See what happens. You never know what will happen. I don't. I don't know that I have that effect on my microphone. I can do this thing though. They can get this one. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I, I I can give you the echo on mine. So you had some on there. You may not be able to well, hear don't it. don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. It's not as funny. All right. Unless you're doing the echo along with me doing this today. I was, actually. So let's... <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> See, I can't give two separate ones. I can give, like, because, like, all right, let me, let's do this one. What, what do you got? To, uh, give us, uh, so since Mario, like, uh, wait, no, Jacob. Jacob gave us the last email, uh, kind of yelling at him for not doing anything. Uh, just, just give, give, give his name a shout out. Jacob. That's not, not as funky and weird as I wanted it to be. Try it again. It's not. It's not as funky and weird as you wanted it to be. It no. really is. You know what makes it funky and weird? This, because you sound like a robot now. You can't hear it, but it's happening. <laughs> there you go. There you go. This so is my real voice. <laughs> All right, now it's on. My real voice is, is the robot voice. It's the, that's the real Matt underneath. He's a cold-hearted, <laughs> robot-y sort of. Yeah. Uh, which makes, um, which, which really tells us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's program, so patreon.com slash the film fight is what we're trying well, to say here. Yeah, Patreon. <clears throat> hold on one second, though. I, I, I do want to say um, that uh, that one thing that I will do Anytime anybody wants it, is uh, say their name with this in the background. Oh yeah, that's right. All right, Jacob. Getting Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Now here's what you guys got to picture. Did you ever see that scene in Boogie Nights where like the fireworks are going off in the room? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that's. That's what's going on. The film finds all lighting up. Uh, he get down. I'm dancing in the fucking. Adam's yeah, in the good. corner lighting off fireworks great, and Matt is going in. No, no, no. It's 
it's I'm I'm like the little Filipino kid lighting off fireworks in the corner. And yeah, wow. that's, true. that's true. And Matt's dancing oh, around talking. in his robe with his underpants on. <laughs> so so you're that's the opening of Boogie Nights. What I was doing. No, um, no, I was. But, but you're talking uh, about the the Alfred Molina scene <laughs> in Boogie Nights, and and if that were on, uh, it would be much more like this. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> The people that haven't seen Boogie Nights in forever are like, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Look, if you haven't seen Boogie Nights in forever, you're on the wrong movie podcast. Yeah, you should be on. You should be on that tip fast, boy. (laughs) That's a fine film. I don't know. Go listen to what that. Is is Birth Movies Death still doing a thing without what's his name? I don't know. Go listen. Yeah, there's there's they're still they're still there. They're still there. They're still there and getting more things with this when they have somebody who is that horrible on their stuff. We'll talk about that in the after show because uh, that's something to talk about. Anyway. But but that's also what you get if you go to patreon.com slash the film find. You get a pre-show and post-show for everything that we do here, man. Because for some of you, if you go back to the old episodes of the film find, I'm going to try to fuck with your audio here because I think the cable's bad. Hold on. But um, oh, your cable or mine? It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> it's this damn. Okay, good. It's this I, damn thing. I don't see anything wrong with the one cable I have. Now nah, you're all right. It's this thing. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh yeah, so the pre-show and post-show. Uh, pre-show. So, so we used to do a post-show. Uh, if you go back and listen to older episodes of the Film Find, <clears throat> we had a post-show and stuff. Uh, that's exclusively for the Patreon people. Pre-show and post-show, that's exclusive. Patreon.com slash the film find. So if you wanted to hear the other subjects that we talk about, maybe not always film-related, but sometimes, uh, check that out. Uh, I'd say a fair chunk of the time. Also, the other benefit uh, right now, we'll probably uh, tier this in some way in the near-ish future, mm-hmm. um, but for right now, uh, you also get first uh, access to exclusive mini-episodes that we do. And let's talk about one of those once we talk about the movies that we're watching today. So today we're going to be right. uh, talking about the new Doug Liman film, American Made, starring Tom Cruise, and the remake of Flatliners. Now, if you are a member of Patreon.com slash TheFilmFind, you will actually get a bonus review where we review the 1990 version of Flatliners. Give you an idea yeah, of how gonna, that'll work. You're going to want to listen to that episode, trust me. Believe me. Yeah, I, I I think so. Now, uh, let's let's get into it. What what have you been watching lately? All right, I I, I had one last time. I got one this time. See, right? Matt and I and, have flip, uh, done done the flippity flop. He's he's now he's well, now got like the the one, and I've got like the fifteen. <laughs> I did I did drive like two thousand miles across the country and back. Hey, excuses so, like, are like assholes, everybody. Bit. Everyone's got one, and no one wants to hear yours. Let's go. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, Gerald's Game. Oh, well, uh, that was on my list, so let's talk. Okay, let's talk then. Uh, so this, this book by Stephen King, um, for a long time, uh, including by this film's director, uh, Mike Flanagan, was considered unfilmable. It's actually a really complicated, uh, novel, if Mm -hmm. you've read it, uh, narrative structure-wise, because most of what happens takes place entirely within the main character's head. Right. Uh, and, and that's due entirely to the fact that 
uh, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, the first few chapters of the novel, uh, her husband um, dies of a heart attack while she is handcuffed to a bed during their vacation. Mm-hmm. And this movie, uh, I think, absolutely uh, gets what the novel was doing. It changes some things around. There aren't quite as many characters uh, that crop up, uh, you know, her figments of her, her, her mind, her imagination, mm-hmm. uh, that are kind of all different facets of her inner thought process. Uh, basically, it's her and her husband here, and then some flashbacks. Um, but um, I think this movie's amazing. Yeah, it's done really well. It's exclusive on Netflix right now, so uh, chances are the majority of our audience has very easy access to this. Yeah, and and I will say before we go much further, like, do watch this. It is well worth your time. Uh, here's what I'll. Here's how big I'll go about it. Um, I, I said this on Twitter, so some of you probably already saw it, but um, this is the best Stephen King adaptation since Shawshank Redemption. Wow. And, and I think it's all due to the fact that uh, Mike Flanagan, who wrote and directed this, uh, should really be allowed to do whatever the hell he wants kinda, from here to eternity. Kind of the old uh, Darabont fashion, if you will. Well, look, Flanagan is known as a horror director, and this one is definitely a horror movie, right? Um, but, I mean, just his his last six years which is how long he's been making features not a one of them is a misfire Hmm. there's there's like there's one that hasn't been released here in the u.s it kept getting put off because of that relativity media uh kerfuffle a few years back right that also had several other films like uh eli roth's green inferno all tied up in it right? right um but uh that one's called before i wake there were trailers it was coming out last year and then it got cut before it got released here in the U.S. It was cut from the, ske- uh, the schedule again. Um, so it's still not out in the U.S., but I've seen it. And it's not the best movie he's made, but it's definitely not bad, and it's interesting. But this guy, uh, he made uh, like a really low-budget movie uh, called Absentia back in 2011. And then after that, on the pace of about a movie a year, although three of them came out last year, <laughs> uh, he, he made Oculus, Hush, which was also a Netflix uh, film that they picked up from um, from fest- straight from festival uh, release, and uh, I think is probably what got him the gig to do this movie, like the the money for it. Um, so Hush, uh, which I talked about on this show, have you ever watched it, Adam? Uh, no. Uh, about the about the deaf uh, woman with the home invader that comes in, it's really amazing. Uh, Before I wake, which I talked about. Last year's uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, which I did review on this show, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I believe we both did, right? You saw that one as well. Uh, I saw the first one. No, I didn't see the second oh, one. Oh, then you didn't see the second one. So this is the sequel, the good one. Um, and, the, and then now this movie. Uh, Mike Flanagan, just do whatever. He's, he's adapting as a series, a limited series, The Haunting of Hill House for Netflix next. I'm really excited about that. Hmm. But uh, this movie... Um, takes a novel that is pretty unflinching um it's very dark 
and unrelenting, and it makes a movie out of that that is actually like really well made. And I think that's kind of a small miracle. Well, and here's the thing too: you've also got it anchored by two very you know accomplished actors. Yes. I think I think that's the biggest thing that that uh, can definitely be said of this. Had you had the wrong cast, this could have gone you know horribly. Uh, yeah, entirely agree there. Um, it could have been garbage, right? But because they have, uh, uh, what's her name? Carla Gugino mm-hmm. and um, Bruce, Greenwood. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, right? On on board, uh, there's not a false note in their performances. And, and Carla Gugino is doing like really complicated acting work here because she's not just playing her, like herself strapped to the bed. She's also playing like different facets of her own personality and her past mm-hmm. um that is in conversation with her so she, so there's a lot of her like having to react to herself and act against herself um and watching that happen is really kind of great too um yeah yeah and, and, and I, the, uh... I also okay. i also have to sh- say like uh there's also one of my um uh, favorite uh, bit actors showing up in here as uh, as the the vision of the serial killer mm-hmm. of death right in the in this uh, Mr. Uh, Carol Carol Strukin. yeah another one of who, those who, <laughs> who if you've seen like I mean most most people probably know him from the Adams Family movies he plays Lurch. But a lot of people also know him from Twin Peaks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he was also in like. Does this sound right to you? An episode of Star Trek or, or something like that, or uh, he was in Star Trek? I wouldn't be shocked if he. I was vaguely in the re- I vaguely recall that he was in either Deep Space Nine or Next Generation, and I'm not going to look it up. But like, man, I like that guy, uh, and he's getting older. But he was well used in this movie. I'll tell you that. Uh, Voyager. It looked. He's at least in an episode of Voyager, a little bit of Babylon Five, and Next Generation. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I was either remembering him from Bob Babylon Five or Next Generation, and maybe both. Hmm. <laughs> I can't tell you who he played. I can't tell you what his role was, but I remember him uh, in in some of that uh, universe for sure. <laughs> big, big gentleman, I believe, was usually his title. And of course, yeah. uh, some an actor that most people will uh, know, but certainly not recognize because he's not a child anymore, is uh, Henry Thomas is in this as well. Uh, Elliot from ET. Oh yeah, yep, he is. It's one of those uh, like, oh yeah, you're an if, adult. <laughs> in what has to be uh, the most uncomfortable role in the whole film. Oh, but it's it's so it's it's awful, but it's great. It's great in how awful yep. it is. Oh yeah, um, but but. Uh, Anyway, I just I think this movie's uh, fantastic. I I actually want to watch it again. Um, I knew what was coming with the ending, mm-hmm. uh, like how she finally gets out, and it delivered with just how like gruesome and awful the novel does it. That's true. Like, that was one thing that I was really shocked about how it truly went for some pretty good gore in one particular. It's not overly yeah. gory for the most part, yeah. but there is one part that is. Very gory, and it's done yeah. really well. And and it's and it does what it is supposed to do, which is like make you sit there and tense up and Ugh. cringe. Oh yeah, which a lot of the times gore scenes don't do. 
this like, this is like a you find yourself like, oh my god you find yourself looking away because it's just like yeah. oh no oh, oh. not because it's, it's so gross it's because it pains you because you can just yeah, feel because, it because you can feel it right which which happens somewhat rarely in horror movies right yeah um anyway uh so Gerald's game it's on Netflix uh, do check that out. It's also I don't I don't know how many people know this. Probably the King fans that listen, but it's a it's a sister uh, film and novel to Dolores Claiborne. Okay. Which which uh, the past portion of that novel is set in the period when the eclipse occurs, and so both of those novels like major plot points revolve around this eclipse that occurred in the past. Wait a and, second. And Are so, you like, telling me that Stephen King's books come together? <laughs> well, those two specifically, um, like, like uh, I don't remember if it's in the movie, but definitely in the novel, there's a portion where Dolores Claiborne, um, uh, like, has a vision of a little girl being sexually assaulted during the eclipse, mm-hmm. um, and, and like that—that's something she likes. Like during the eclipse, she is able to see that happening. Um, so they are related. But great flick. I mean, super, super low budget, which is also great because it makes you focus on the story and getting everything out there. And it's just a quality job. man. Well, and, and there's nothing. I mean, look, you can like, yes, it's low budget, but there's also nothing about this movie that feels cheap. That would ne- that. Well, that would necessitate a big budget. True. I, mean, I mean, three quarters of it takes place entirely in this one room. Um, with with a cast of two you know yeah so, so it's not like it has to have have been made uh, with a ton of cash um i i just know like i'm on board for whatever mike flanagan but, but do. at the same time probably too, until the end of time i think he's already proven himself before this and this just solidifies it yeah but at the same time too you could also see how if they may if this was a more traditional hollywood film that they may just go like well you gotta go out you gotta do more you would you we would we would have oh, left yeah, we would have left so. there a and, lot I, more. and I think that's why Netflix I think that's why because he had uh, picked up Hush or Netflix had picked up Hush um and because uh, he already had a had a relationship because I think Hush did pretty well for Netflix like it was buzzy it was already like a hit on the festival circuit so I think it did well for them uh, although we'll never see those numbers or at least no time soon no. um I would not be surprised if based on that they gave him the budget for this film. I could see it, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down on down with this guy for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Now on to me, uh, let's stay on, uh, let's stay on the Netflix uh, kick here. And I got something that I know will be right up your alley. Uh-oh. Uh, I watched the, uh, documentary Gaga five foot two. Uh, Oh yeah, it's on my on a queue. Haven't gotten to it yet. It's uh, it's really good. And you being the big fan of hers, like I'm not like a huge fan, but I don't I don't hate her or nothing. I, I find you know a mm-hmm. good portion of her music pretty good. Some of it, and eh, maybe not so much, but you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, but it's all about her kind of like upcoming album and then preparing and stuff for the Super Bowl. But it's it, but it's about a lot more than that. Uh, it's a really interesting look into her life, who she is, a little bit about where she came from, what her um kind of influences for her upcoming album are going to be and how they're going to be very different. And you can, you can probably speak to this better than I could about how like her latest album, I guess it's her latest album, unless she's come out with one since then, uh, was very much a departure from kind of what she'd been doing previously. 
And yes. uh, this is, it's very much about her, kind of her life, where she is right now, you know, within turning 30, how that kind of changed, you know, her outlook on things and her kind of coming to terms with her more than anything. And, uh, but it's great. It's pretty unparalleled access to stuff. Uh, very, she's very free with the cameras. It's not like, it doesn't feel like, um, she's, um, cognizant. I don't want, it sounds weird saying that she's cognizant of the cameras, but they don't become like a thing that she's like playing to, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's well, very fly. To my, to my knowledge, she, uh, like one of her friends was, uh, like in charge of this, okay. like somebody that she knew before like there was a crew there yeah she's she's very comfortable so much i mean there's there's a scene where like you know they're out sitting there sunbathing and stuff and she just goes topless and it doesn't feel like it's like uh it, it just feels like oh i'm just you know it's just friends here kind of thing yeah. and, and and so you, you get that kind of like friendly unparalleled access that you could feel like a lot of times they would kick a documentary crew out while certain things went on you know certain conversations or uh you know times where she's in pain or stuff because she's having like a lot of hip problems and things at this point and you know and all this kind mm -hmm. of jazz going down so like a lot of times where they just go look I, we don't really this you know this could go away uh but it's really good it's really good i think um uh for somebody that was kind of a lot in the in the public eye that we see a whole bunch and may not you know we, we see a performer we don't a lot of times and this goes for all performers we don't we see a performer not a person I think in this, we very yeah. much get to see the person that's behind this, a little bit of who she is, and uh, it's done really well. It's it's done well, uh, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And so, I mean, if you're even if you're not like a huge fan, I, I think it's well worth watching. I think you'll get an insight to a person that you think you may know something about or have like a certain opinion up about, uh, but maybe very different than what you think. But uh, it's it's well worth a watch. And again, that's on Netflix, so it's not like you're you know paying the extra for it. So I definitely recommend that one. Uh, let's let's uh, let's go back to the theaters a little bit. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is a uh, let's talk about the next documentary. We're going to stay in the documentary world now, and uh, this one I saw was called California Typewriter. <clears throat> okay, that's right, kids. Adam went to see a movie, a, a documentary about typewriters. How exciting could that be? <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's really good. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, it's all about kind of the history of the typewriter, how typewriters are kind of coming uh, somewhat back in vogue, a little bit of hipstery sort of stuff, but at the same time, pretty cool. Uh, really what it kind of centers around for the most part is a family that's kind of in the um, Silicon Valley-esque sort of area, African-American family, and they uh, pretty much... Uh, well, it's, it's based on one guy, but he's it, the the store itself is owned by another by by another gentleman. But the one guy kind of runs it more or less day to day, and uh, it's about like his love of this stuff and what he kind of did back in the day. And he's always trying to make sure that the place can be as you know profitable and everything as it can. Of course, they've fallen on like a lot of lean times because you know how often are we in the you know mood for typewriters. And it talks a little bit about that kind of stuff and how, you know, they also had to kind of adapt, uh, adapt to the new times and things of that measure. And you've got different people that are in there, the most notably of which, of course, is uh, people know that Tom Hanks is a uh, typewriter head. Yep. And uh, he's in it for a good bit. And he brought up some interesting points that I, that I like is that, you know, if like, let's say you, you know, you went to a party and you're going to send somebody a thank you letter. You know, most it's like a thank you email who, you know, you're going to delete that the second that you get it. But if somebody brought out a typewriter, put a piece of paper in it, typed out a little tiny thank you note and sent it off to you, he's like, I'm going to keep that forever because somebody took the time to do it. 
you know, as opposed to seven seconds, it was 70 seconds. And it's something that can actually mean something. Uh, he's in it. John Mayer's in it. Talks about how he like kind of writes songs and stuff on the typewriter because it's a, because it's a different thing. You know, it's a more physical medium. And I understand a lot of this because I come back from the day, not, not all the way back to the film editing days, uh, but I come back from tape to tape editing. Right. And mm-hmm. when you did tape to tape editing and I love, I love nonlinear computer editing. I love it. It's, it's super great and it's super fast. It's very, you know, you can, trade stuff around and do things so much simpler, but there is something about, you know, having two different tape decks, having the controller in the middle, slapping in those endpoints, slapping the jog, you know, button, flipping it around, doing everything that you have to do. It's a very tactile thing. And there's something about it. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of romantic, you know, it's this old school way. It's kind of, it's like, you editing and stuff when you do it on, you know, tape to tape is a, it's kind of like music. You're, you're performing, you're timing and you're doing everything. And it's, it's very, it's like a body orchestra. Everything's going back and forth and all over the place. Uh, and typewriting, typing is kind of that same sort of idea. It's the old school kind of thing, something that's connecting you right to that physical media and stuff. And it's something that you just can't get anywhere else, but it's a fantastic documentary. And they even have a guy who's like looking he likes like the oldest type typewriters and stuff and like all the weird ones and, and whatnot. And that's in his collection. And of course he goes to meet this guy who's got a whole bunch of these like first typewriters. It's like the one that would be able to complete his collection. Right. He finds this dude and the dude has like fucking 12 of them. <laughs> and of course that guy's old as dirt. And will that guy sell him any of them? No. Of course he won't, because he's one of those crazy old bastards that doesn't do that. He's just, you know, the, the you know, the crazy hoarder people. You, we yep. see them on American Pickers and all that kind of stuff. They go down and they have a junkyard. They find some sort of treasure they haven't seen in, you know, 45 years. And they just go, well, what do you want for this? Oh, that's not for sale. You, you didn't even know this existed until just now. What? I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm here giving you five grand for it. No, I, I think I'm going to hold on to that. You, you are almost dead. Just give it to somebody who's going to appreciate it. He's like, well, maybe I'll put it in a museum one day. It's like, he's like, I got a museum. He didn't say it, but it's pretty much, I've got a museum at the house for all this stuff. You've got so right. many of these share some love. Uh, but there's that crazy collector oddball vibe that goes with it. Uh, but it's definitely, it's a, it's a great little documentary. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, that's California typewriter. That's out in the select theaters right now. It's supposed and the uh, the other uh, theater movie I want to talk about is Battle of the Sexes, starring uh, okay. <clears throat> Steve Carell and mm-hmm. Emma Stone. And Emma Stone and Steve Carell are fantastic, as always. Those guys are always good. It's about Billie Jean King uh, doing her the, the big Battle of the Sexes tennis match back in the uh, back in the eighties and stuff. And it was eighties, seventies, eighties. I forget which. Uh, but it's, it's really good. It's a top notch movie. Uh, great performances by everybody. Um, I, I, I like how, so Steve Carell's character is pretty much, he's not like he played off in the media as some big sexist asshole. Right. But that was right. just stick. That was, that was stick that the guy himself kind of, you know, made up and, and Billie Jean King knew it. And she basically is just like, oh, okay, this is all fun and games. And, you know, I know what he's doing. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a shyster. He wants to get in. He wants to make some money because he's old. He's old. He's retired right. out of tennis and everything, but he's like, Hey, I could probably, I could probably kick the crap out of some ladies <laughs> kind of Andy Kaufman style, if you will. Uh-huh. 
And he's pretty much doing that exact same sort of thing. But at the same time, uh, she and other female tennis players are being hampered by the tennis association itself. Just saying like, you know, the guys are being paid 12 times what the women are. So they, they all walk out and say, look, we're not taking this crap. You know, there's no, there's no way that they bring in 12 times the attendance that we bring in. So, uh, you know, you're either going to give us money that's commiserate with what we're actually worth or we're leaving. And they said, okay, we, we call your bluff. And then they left formed their own association and actually killed it. They did a great job with that. And uh, this was kind of the, the culmination of all that and being able to go back and forth. It's a, it's a great flick. It's a, it's a little touch on history. Uh, delves into, obviously, uh, Billie Jean King is married at the time. Delves into her relationship with another uh, hairdresser lady. And that, that burgeoning relationship, of course, you know, at, at the time, a little bit more taboo and things like that. Uh, great performance from... Uh, Oh, shucks. What's his fucking name? Nightcrawler. <laughs> Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Uh-huh. He's Nightcrawler in that flick. Uh, so yeah. Alan, Alan Cummings, is, uh, he's in it. He, he's got a great little, it's not a huge bit, but he's he's really solid with what he what he brings in. And he's he, there's an emotional part that he that he brings in there is uh, really top notch. But everything's good. It's a funny movie. It's, it's, it's heartwarming. It's what the movie should be. And I, I definitely suggest people uh, go out and check that out. It's Battle of Sexes. I think it's playing just about everywhere right now. Okay. I I plan on seeing it. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good one. All right, so uh, what do you want to do first? You want to do American Made or you want to do Flatliners first? Let's, uh, let's, let's talk Flatliners. All right, here is a trailer for Flatliners. Do you have plans tonight? Do you want to have fun with me later? Courtney Holmes, I am mildly surprised. But offer accepted. Midnight basement, sub-level C. What's going on? I would like you to stop my heart. You give it one minute, and then you bring me back. Okay. Now's the point where you say it's all a joke. What happens to us after we die? The only way to find out is to see for ourselves. We could document that experience. Did you see a white light? It was more like pure energy. How is she playing the piano now? It's like her brain's been rewired. I'm going next. Charging 200. It's a good day to die. Clear. Everyone I touch today, I'm gonna heal. It's an awakening. Three minutes. Jamie only did two. What can I say? We're competitive. I'm going next. Five minutes. Seven minutes. No one's ever come back from that. Was it all fun? Was there anything disturbing? Something is happening to us. I think I'm going crazy. Maybe we opened the door. Something is coming for us. Something I did. Something I did. There! Defense, she's not stabilizing. This experiment needs to end right now. Clear! Wake up. I should have told you this wasn't about science or discovery. Clear! It's been over four minutes. I did not know that the side effects would show up and start hunting us down. 
That was a trailer for Flatliners 2017, our new release review of this week. IMDb Plotline, five medical students obsessed with what lies beyond the uh, confines of life embark on a daring experiment by stopping their hearts for short periods. Each triggers a near-death experience, giving them a first-hand account of the afterlife. This is starring Ellen Page, Diego Luna, Nina Dobriv, uh, Jason Norton, uh, Kersey Clemens, Kiefer Sutherland, and more. Directed by Niels Arden Oplev? I'm not sure. Yeah, the guy guy who uh, brought us one of my fam- favorite actresses uh, in- into the public consciousness, Numi Rapace, in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And, and this is just as good as that. Man down. <laughs> this is just as good as those films, right? It, uh, it's passable, but it's not as good as those. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to... Uh, His I'm... style is definitely in here. I'll say that. Okay, there you go. Now... I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people going, Adam, Matt, we, 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 you're going to give your opinion on this movie, but what did you think about the original Flatliners? Well, to really find that it out, is, uh, <laughs> shut up, to find that out, uh, well, jo- join our Patreon. Well, hold on. <laughs> Good. Join the Patreon, get the thing, but I will say this, because I'll talk about more of, about why I think this is. Um, the original one, as far as how I view it, uh, as, as we move forward here is uh, an interesting experiment of a movie that I don't know necessarily sticks its landing. Okay. That's what I'll say about the original film. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that. But- I don't dislike it, but we'll talk, we'll <laughs> talk about that film in depth in a patron episode that will eventually be released on the stream at some point. Right. So, but if you want, you know, if you if you want the good, you want the now, patreon.com slash the film fine. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, I, we can't not say it was a remake because that's what it is. This is clearly a remake uh, of the original movie. Mm-hmm. Some things are kind of switched around. They're uh, different characters, of course, so it's not like a straight one-to-one remake, of course. And several yeah, of the characters fact, like- have different kind of almost... Uh, Almost parallels, but not really <laughs> to the original. Well, it's it's like they took all the characters from the original and put put all of their traits into a big pot and stirred it up, and then like extracted a few different things and were just like, okay, this is going to be this one now, and this is going to be this one now. Yeah, everybody got a ladle uh, of a different type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so I did enjoy that um, knowing what I remembered about the original movie uh, because I did go back and watch it after seeing this as did I. Um, But, uh, but so I did, I did like that they did that. It wasn't just one-to-one. But the real, the real problem with this movie is that uh, it's, it's kind of all over the place as far as like if it if it's trying to be a straight genre movie or it's trying to be like serious uh sci-fi horror mm-hmm. um it, it kind of like lacks a distinct identity a sense of, of itself for me and part of that like there are some real choppy cuts in this thing some so some of it's structural right like mm-hmm. My the the one part that just drove me nuts 
was uh, about three quarters of the way through as, as things really started to go south for, for these people. And we'll talk about why in just a second. But um, there's a part where a guy gets stabbed in the hand. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the scene just ends and it cuts to them sitting around a table and he's talking. And the only indication that this is not some like flashback or whatever is that he, like they don't talk about the thing. He does. It's not. That's not what they're talking about. They're mm-hmm. talking about something completely different at the beginning of that scene. And the only indication is that he has a bandage around his hand that you can't see because the actor has it covered up with his other arm. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and so there are just like weird continuity things constantly uh, in how this film is edited. Like, I, I don't know if it's a script thing. I don't, knowing the director knows how to shoot, I, I don't know that it was necessarily <laughs> his fault that these things are missing or wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway. So what are your general thoughts on this? Well, my biggest problem was is that this thing more or less is it's like you like you said it's a little rudderless into into figuring out what it wants to be, and by that measure, it's fairly boring. Uh, it feels yeah. like how long is this thing? It's not too awful long, is it? No, uh, it, in fact, it's shorter than the original. Film. Yeah, not by a ton. It's it's one fifty. It feels no, like it, it's longer is, than but that. But it though. is shorter. But it's not, it's just, it's kind of boring. Not a whole lot happens. Now, I will say this, as opposed to the kind of the original and stuff, which I, I, I had seen previously, but I'd forgotten. Uh, they do have a little bit more as far as in, initial character development in this. The other movie kind of yeah. is, is already, you already join mid-run, if you will. Uh, with this movie... Well, uh, and, on, and on top of that, uh, here you get a sense that like these people could actually be doctors. Yes, you, you exactly. Which is which is entirely <laughs> absent from the original. Yeah, th- this you feel like these are these could be real people. The the place where they go to do all their experiments, you get where that is, why they go there, how they have to do what they have to do, and I don't know if it's more like we have a little bit more idea of uh, of technology now, or we're a little bit, or we demand movies be a little bit more literate with uh, what they give to us. Uh, but <clears throat> while it may be all hokum and mumbo jumbo, it sounds a lot better as far as like the reasoning and how the, uh, the transition is to take place for, uh, here's how you kill me. Here's how you bring me back kind of thing. Uh, so at least gives us a little bit more, uh, you know, steadiness there. Some of the, uh, the kind of, uh, horrific elements. So once they're under, you know, and come back they so once they're under, they have some sort of like crazy vision of some sort. They're either like flying or, you know, X, Y, or Z happens. And then they come back and things are great. They feel now this is something that they do a little bit different is that they, uh, kind of have more, they're almost like heightened. You hear it a little bit in the trailer. There goes so like, Oh, she plays the piano now, which I'll be honest. In some cases, weird stuff like that can happen. Now, buddy of mine back in high school dropped acid. And he, uh, like, we had a music store at, at, like, the local Walmart there that was, like, kind of a little independent music store. And they had one of these uh, these keyboards that that glowed, right, that had the little glowing keys on it so it could teach you how uh-huh. to play the songs and stuff. He dropped acid and then came into the store one night and played on that thing. When he When he later came down, like, you know, a day or two later, he remembered all that stuff. 
it was all still there. So like, this is not like it's an unprecedented thing that can happen. You can tap into weird shit in your mind, but apparently like that's sort of what happened here. And like, uh, they knew better. They, they were smarter. They were able to do more things. So it kind of made them, you know, feel like they had superpowers, but yet they're still haunted at the same time by memories of the past. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think this look, the, if there's one thing that the remake handles well, it is the sciency um pseudoscience part of it. Right. Right? What it doesn't get is like um proper character motivation. Um like I guess there's a reason why they're all doing this, uh and part of it is simply because they see how cool it is when um when uh, Courtney's uh, Ellen Page's character's uh, brain is kind of rewired, and they see, yeah, they see it like it's a, oh, she opened up a cheat code, kind of. Yeah, um, but but even then, it is just like it became increasingly frustrating for me to watch Diego Luna, um, whose uh, hair is uh, uncharacteristically terrible in this movie. It's just distracting, um, as all get out. Uh, um, uh, but. You know, like it's frustrating to see him constantly be the only person who's sitting there, like all of this is bullshit. <laughs> like you guys are full of shit. I'm gonna keep showing up so you idiots don't kill yourselves. But it's all stupid, and I just want you to know that's where <laughs> I stand every time we have this discussion. Is I think you're all morons. Yeah, it's a, but yet at the same time too, it's like you can see what's changing, dude. Like the one guy who was basically yeah. a moron is now just yeah, you know of kicking course, ass. But, but he but he doesn't care because he's already such a goddamn good doctor. <laughs> you know. So yeah, you're like, right. They yeah, do. He is kind of like a like so, a too good prick for everything. So yeah. So it's well, but he but he's just so like uh, like, well, what do I? I mean, it's the attitude that I hope sane people would have, which is like, no, who cares <laughs> that I can't play the piano like I did 12 years ago because I haven't played it in that decade and a half or whatever. Right. But like, uh, I'm a good doctor. So that's what I'm doing now. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Now here's where they missed. I should, I should have, I should have like gauged audience reaction on this when I walked out of it. I couldn't tell from anybody. I'll say this though. Um, me neither. Kiefer Sutherland was wasted in this film. First of all, he was clearly there for literally a day. He's in three scenes. Two of them are in the same uh, boardroom, and one of them is in an office. I think it's four. Was it four? I think it's four because he, yeah, because he's also out on the floor at some point, like like in the patient area at some point. Okay, he was there that. a day, maybe two days tops, tops two days. Yeah. Uh, well, they're just giving him a shout out. That's all it is. Yeah, but how cool but, how cool would it have been had this been kind of a proper sequel to that? Like how cool would yeah. that have been had they snuck this in here because they give it's it's I, a, it's fan service, but at the same time, give us a little something, man. How cool would that have been if he came in and just like, you know, That's what I kept fuck, like it would have been cool, would right? be the thing. It's just like like a, like 3 quarters of the way through, everybody starts to really freak out. And he knows what's up, and he has to like now assist them in figuring this shit out and getting getting it done with. Yeah, right? him being the kind of guy who shepherds them back to the light side, if you will, or whatever. Yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, no. I, dude, I think I think that would have been like a way cooler take, and it would have been completely subtle. Um, because he's correctly. because he's not mentioned but, in the in the trailers or anything at all. No, not Lisa. in the trailers at all. But but here's where it would where that would have been fucked up is if that were the case, you know that shit would have been in the trailers. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, the, and so you're and, right. You know, you're right. It would have it would have like, come back and be like, oh yeah, better. But it would not have played the same way, right? Yeah, because I didn't know he was in this, and he showed up. It's like, oh, that's cool. And yeah. I love how he still got, and, and, and he still has like the same was, hairstyle cool. and everything, you know? Uh huh. Yeah, they go through all the trouble of giving him the fucking like wig <laughs> to right? sort of resemble Nelson, and uh, nope, not at all. Nah, it's and, just and in that's... fact, and in fact, the first time they talked to him because his name's Doctor Wolfson, like I misheard it. <laughs> I was like, is he the same character? Is it was like, oh, that'd be Nelson so man? badass that you, oh, you just let us down. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, anyway. Sorry, movie. Uh, so I, I can't recommend this. If You know, I, and we'll talk about my feelings about that in the in the bonus episode uh, for patrons and later on during the feed for other folks. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say skip this one. Yeah. Uh, if... If you are intrigued by remakes, which, you know, some people really are, uh, okay, you're going to want it, but I'm not going to tell you to go spend your money on this thing. Well, I'll, I'll say this. This will probably tip my hat a little bit to, to, the, to the review of the original, but my thought is this. When you do remakes, you should do, re, you should do remakes. You should remake movies that were initially, that had, like, interesting, cool ideas, but sucked. And you should and you should go or, through and make those or, movies good, or were like interesting experimental sort of failures, which Flatliners is. But yes, right? Like, why bother remaking something that is solid enough if you're going to do it better than that? Yeah, it's just like you know, just 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 do it better. Just do it better than what you're trying to redo, but don't basically redo the same damn thing. That's that's more or less where I fall down. All right, let's go ahead and talk about our next movie. Here is the trailer for American Made. This is the United States Drug Enforcement Agency. We are ordering you to land. All right, boys, let's land. My name's Barry Seal. Oh. That's for the damage for your sister. Hey, little darling, and your bike. Some of this shit really happened. You never saw me. Top of your class in the Civil Air Patrol? Pilot like you shouldn't be flying buses. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Bakersfield. Haven't you ever wanted something more, Barry? You should be serving your country. Your CIA. <sighs> Shh. We need you to deliver stuff for us. Oh, this is legal? If you're doing it for the good guys? Barry Seals, a goddamn genius! You are an airline pilot, Barry. That's how you support this family. This is gonna be good for us. Is this all legal? You trust me? No! We're expanding operations, Barry! The devil you know, the devil you know, the devil you don't. Ah! 
Roscoe dug this up in the backyard. There are bills blowing around everywhere. I'll rake it up in the morning. ATF, drop your weapons! Guns, drugs, money laundering. Did y'all know that caddies have more trunk space than any other car? I'll get each and every one of you a caddy for your troubles. See, I'm gonna walk out of here. <laughs> there ain't a damn thing any one of you can do about it. He's free to go. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Boy should have taken a caddy. <laughs> I was working for the CIA, the DEA, and Pablo Escobar. 1,500 kilos. That's 1,500 kilos, Barry. In one go. Get it done. All right, that was the trailer for American Made, our last new release review of this week. Here's the IMDb plotline. Barry Seal was just an ordinary pilot who worked for TWA before he was recruited by the CIA in 1978. His work in South America eventually caught the eye of the Medellin cartel associated with Pablo Escobar, who needed a man with his skill set. Barry became a drug trafficker, gun smuggler, and money launderer, soon acquiring the title, The Gringo That Always Delivers. Well, that's written by somebody else in there. That's clearly not from the thing. Uh, this is starring uh, Tom Cruise, Domino Gleason, Sarah Wright, Jesse Plemons, Caleb Landry Jones, and more. Uh, I did not realize this while I was going in there. I think I'd read it, but didn't, but didn't click in my brain until the credits rolled. And then I'm like, oh, this makes sense. It's directed by Doug Lyman. And that's why mm -hmm. this movie is as good as it is. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> because this movie, uh, I, I thought, look, I'm, I, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I'm pretty much a mark for whatever the guy does. I think he's a, uh, I think he's a good actor and a, and a damn fine entertainer. And, um, he, he, he rocks in this movie, and, and but I think a lot of this, why this movie works as good as it does, definitely is Doug Liman. I think most Doug Liman movies can be summed up that way. That's true. Yeah. He'll, he, he, can mean, take, he can take serviceable stuff and elevate it to another level. Yeah. I, I was um, a little dismayed to uh, learn that um, he had not like really direct. I mean, he directed like a direct to video movie since edge of tomorrow. Really? But it never came out. In the yeah, it was, uh, the, it's a military movie. Hold on. Let me look up his thing. Here. Hmm. Uh, the wall. It has, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and John Cena in it. Um, hmm. I do not think this ever came out in the theater, but I, I've seen it, uh, in stores on DVD. Um, but like, this guy really like Doug Lyman's, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe like Jumper. Yeah, I Jumper sucked. That's I don't think I've disliked a Doug Lyman movie. And I, right? I don't, like since I, I don't since Swingers him, and though. Go, right? Like yeah, yeah. So like Swingers is awesome. Goes awesome. Mm -hmm. Born Identity is great. Yep. Mr. And Mrs. Smith is great. Fair Game is really good. Edge of Tomorrow is one of my favorite movies. Fantastic. I, like. I just love that movie so much. Uh, and, and then this thing and, um, it's, it's really well done and it, and it does things that you don't expect it to do. It's uh, kind of, uh, narratively and formally interesting. Um, as far as how the story is laid out, 
how uh, things are conveyed to the audience. Um, just the story itself is really intriguing. Like I had no clue where, I mean, I knew where it was going, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I'm aware of the Iran Contra scandal, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I think there's a lot the of behind specific... the scenes sort of, if you will, that we do, we just yeah. don't really know about. But like the, the very specific story of, of Barry seal and like the way that his life plays into this was all uh, like, I had no clue where in the hell it was going to end. Yeah. You know, which knowing what I do about the whole uh, the whole shebang, the big picture of it, like is really kind of a, a really great uh, surprise to have in a movie that's based on um, reality. Mm hmm. Um, it was also uh, I also enjoyed how funny the movie was, which I think is also a, a good thing uh, that Lyman was directing because he handles that transition from action thriller kind of uh, tone uh, very serious to comedic uh, tone. Right. Without, very well. without feeling overly jokey or hammy or anything like that. It's yep. a, it's a very natural funny. Yeah. Right. Like, like the couple of scenes that, um, uh, what's his name that plays the sheriff, Jesse Plemons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple of scenes that he has are hilarious. Like really funny scenes as the sheriff where, where like his wife comes in uh, that one time and she's like, how many acres has he bought? In our, in our town, he's like, I don't know, 500, she's like 2,000. I just don't think it's any of our business. I laughed. Like, that line to like, I know those people. You know? It's just like, look, man, they got nothing to do with us. It's just like, doesn't yeah. it seem weird in our little podunk to, like, they, like he ends up, they like, CIA moves his operation to this almost, like, super small ghost town, practically. Yep. And, and like they've given this guy 2000 acres worth of land and they just started building on stuff and kind of keeping things all super quiet where he's running, uh, you know, everything for the CIA. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I have to give a shout out to uh, cast member, uh, Caleb Landry Jones, who, uh, following get out earlier, uh, this year, uh, plays another, uh, horrible white person, horrible white <laughs> trash piece of garbage. <laughs> I mean, but he he's really good in this, oh, right? He's, and he's and like, I've seen man. him play other stuff, right? He's he's been in other things, but like he's he's really good because you do want to just like punch this guy in the face. You're just like, "Oh my god, you're a fucking moron. You're just a moron." He's he's literally one of those you are the worst people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Um anyway, uh do do you think here's a question. Do you think that uh Tom Cruise uh, flew his own airplanes for this movie. Oh, I know. he. I, I could promise you that there's prob- probably 70-plus percent of this Tom Cruise flew. I could guarantee. There's a, does there's a couple that are... license? Oh, yeah. Dude dude, okay. fly, dude flies uh, fucking, like, F-16s and shit. Yeah. Okay. He's, yeah, I mean, he's I, for I real. I figured he probably did, but he's not one of the... He's not one of the prominent ones, right? Like, you always hear about how, like... Uh, um, Travolta is a big one like Travolta I think Bruce Willis maybe I don't know um, if it involves sitting like, down I bet Bruce Willis is on it <laughs> fucker <laughs> right but like you you know that right uh, I think like I remember reading that like Morgan Freeman flies yeah yeah because yeah, he because so, he crashed one not too awful long Harrison uh-huh. Ford that's Harrison a flyer Ford right so, so it's not that I'm like surprised, but you know, Tom Cruise is not 
out there all the time talking about it or like no no but i I, yeah i I know i know he flies because like i mean he learned to fly back in the top gun days so yeah yeah yeah. i I mean i remember him doing all of that yeah i I don't think uh, it's like he's not as avid as those other guys but i can guarantee you he he fucking flew these well i'm you know i i think you would have to it's the only stunt work in the whole thing Um, (laughs) it's like no no i'm doing this no we can't afford i'm doing doing this all right (laughs) good luck (laughs) um yeah, I I just really enjoyed this uh, film, man. It's it's just like incredibly well made and enjoyable. Great, um, great soundtrack. It books along. It moves, and because you know the idea of the story, but you don't know where the story's going. Yeah, you're always kind of curious as to what the next little step is, and part of you was always kind of wondering is just like who's in on what, who knows what, and you know how do all the pieces fit together. You know, mm-hmm. and we don't and, really ever, you know, quite know. And when it comes to that, like inevitability of what happens to Barry Seal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you you kind of know it's coming, but it's still just like really is just like, oh man, can this please just go any other way than yeah. what's happening right now? Can it just happen? Can it happen correctly? Can he can he end up with Lucy again? <laughs> um. Yeah, but it's it's done artfully well. It's it's I mean, again, it's I I think so much of the credit goes to Doug Lyman on this thing, because in the hands of a lesser director, this could be garbage. Yeah, well, you know, I'm really looking forward to that uh, Edge of Tomorrow sequel. Yeah, it's one of it's those things good. that I, I just and, and we talked about it when it came out. The marketing for the first movie was fucking garbage. It was absolutely yeah. garbage, and it, it it hampered a fantastic film that everyone that saw it loved it, but no one mm-hmm. saw it because the advertising campaign was just utter garbage. Thanks, Paramount. Yeah. Fucking idiots. And then they fuck it up even worse when it comes out on video. Like, hey, we're going to retitle it something else. Uh, it's just oh, so just just the biggest debacle, you know, in the last 10 years as far as like trying to get, you know, a decent movie out there and fucking it up. Yeah. Real genius and, work. Uh, I think that because that movie, like it plays well, like I, so I, this is another movie that I show to students um, when I'm talking about modern blockbuster filmmaking. Um, and um, I just like, they all like it and none of them have seen it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like one or two of say a 35 person class will have seen the film. Hmm. Uh, but you know, when it came out, it did not do well. It cost, no. uh, like, uh, I want to say close to 200 million. It was high. And I think it, and I think it made a hundred in the box office it, domestically. I don't know what it made uh, worldwide. I could look it up if I wanted to, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it, no, it was, it was a big loser and it, and it was all, it really came down to, it was advertised horribly. Mm-hmm. And then because but, nobody, nobody wanted to go see it. Yeah, I, I could. I kind of could see through it. I don't know how I could, but I like. I watch it. I just go like, I don't know what they're doing here. Now, I guess worldwide they did okay. Worldwide was three sixty nine, so it's fair on a budget of so, one seventy. So domestic plus international was three sixty nine. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not bad. So it, it made enough. Like it, it made I, it back up. I have up in the to imagine that it did well on video and then um, oh, aftermarket. It did, it did like great television. on video. That's where people were surprised because people didn't see it till video, or at least as far as America goes, people didn't see it until video. And then when they did, they were like, "Oh well, shit, this is really good. Why didn't we go see this?" Oh yeah, because the trailer was fucking garbage. Yeah. So it happens, man. 
Uh, but we'll be looking forward to that. Is, is Lyman, is he doing number two or no? He is. He's on. He's on for directing. So that's that's what's got me uh, excited. So I mean, if he's if he's doing that, he's got he's got the up on that. I, I'm all for it, man. So, uh, but again, they're fucking it up because they're going to call it live, die, repeat, and repeat. Ugh, this is could, could well, you <laughs> well because people responded to the tagline. That's why they did the whole thing where they renamed it when but, it came out in Blu-ray. Because so. people thought the name of the fucking movie was live, die, repeat. Because that's. That's what the poster said most prominently. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> they they could have named it the thing that the comic book was based upon, which is "All You Need Is Kill," which is a great name. Yeah, that's I, such look, a that's such know. a cool name. Keep it to yeah. the cool name, people. My God. Yeah. All right, that's uh, two strong recommendations. So uh, go out and see American Made. Uh, fine flick. Next week. Indeed. Next week we are going to be talking about another little film, a little tiny film, independent film called Blade Runner 2049. Uh, not directed by Ridley Scott, but produced by Ridley Scott. And uh, early buzz on this thing is fantastic. So uh, really looking forward to that one. And what's the other one? I forget. The the other movie that's coming out? My brain had just kind of farted on me. Hold on. Me we're going to look the My Little Pony movie. That's clearly what we're going <laughs> to Yeah, well, you do remember that one. Of course you We're do. going to be seeing My Little uh, Pony, oh, yeah. the movie. The, the Mountain Between Us. Right. That lovely disaster rom-com <laughs> rom-com <laughs> with, well have you seen the twitter marketing on this thing it's no, bananas really because what? yeah because they are playing they are playing it like like a romantic comedy almost <laughs> was, twitter market that is not what the trailer um, said to me when i watched it <laughs> yeah no uh this so turns into like us. bringing up baby but in the fucking alps i'll have it's a cow. not it's not that extreme but it is like <laughs> Like there's a very lighthearted tone to, to the romantic angle well, I'm, in the Twitter listen, market. Listen, I like both of these people. I like Winslet. I, you know, everybody knows my big old man crush on Elba. So you know, it is what it is. I, I'm, uh-huh. you know, I'm down. I'm down with both these people. I'm down with the flick already. You, you done sold me. So don't worry. It's, it's also by the same. It's by the same filmmaker who made uh, Omar and Paradise Now, the Israeli films. Okay. So I don't know if you if you've seen either of those, but they're amazing. Like Paradise Now, in, in particular, is really great. I remember people talking about um, Omar, but I don't think I've seen either one. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll be talking about so, those uh, movies we'll and see. perhaps some more stuff come next week. In the meantime, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet, sir? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt Boyd Smith, uh, Instagram at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. Uh, I post stuff there. Both places pretty regular. And, of course, my other podcast here, Movie Podcast, here, moviepodcast.com, comic book-related movies and the like. You know all about it. And Nerd Talk Now at nerdtalknow.com. Saturdays, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, if you want to tune into that. Uh, should be rolling this weekend, so, uh, you know, we'll make up for it. Anyways, uh, that is it, everybody. Join us next week for Blade Runner, My Little Pony, and the Mountain Between Us. <laughs> for Matt Smith, I'm Matt Porches. We'll talk to you guys next time.
do you have the funk? You, you should have. I the, do. You, you should have the I, funk. I tore the roof off the sucker. <laughs> I, I got the funk because I forgot to shower. <laughs> um. So, uh, can I tell you my favorite uh, little Twitter thing that's been going on for the past few hours since they dropped a new trailer? All right. <laughs> uh. So, so there's a there's a Wolfenstein uh game coming out Mm -hmm. Uh, a continuation of the one that came out a couple years back two or three years ago this new one looks dope yeah so when they showed e3 oh my gosh it looks so good and uh at least on twitter that is uh just um like uh uh it just says not my america over it because the plot of the game is the nazis have taken over the u.s Mm -hmm. and uh there are legitimately people on twitter mad that that wolfenstein is advocating uh nazis as terrible fucking people that should get murdered by (laughs) by soldiers (laughs) and it's just like guys we fought a whole war about this and you and you know that wolfenstein has been doing this for like 30 years now right on top of the whole war thing this is not a new concept (laughs) For the, for this franchise in particular, yeah, it's it's like even this one. It's just like you know, even like, like back in the back in the like sixteen bit days, yeah, we're shooting up sixteen bit Hitlers, man. Well, uh, you know, it's, like, it's been there for a while. If they're this pissed off about something that is surface level metaphor, <laughs> um, don't let me spoil what Killzone is about for them. Oh, that's about or, uh, that. That's or or what. Or why the uh, why the empire is called the empire? Like, let's not let's not talk about Star Wars and political. Because Empire Records was was a movie. Wait a minute, that wasn't Alex. Yeah, no, right. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Hold on, I'll get it. Um, why, why are all the why are all the uh, Star Wars bad guys in the in the films dressed like fucking SS officers? Oh, it's, you know, why are those weird? <laughs> why is there always somebody at Dragon Con who's just straight dressed like a Nazi? And you're just like, is this? Listen, man. Um, you he gotta... was there again this year. Did you see him again? Yeah, he was there again. And uh, I mean, like he does. He does have like the like the Cthulhu insignia on his stuff. So it's conceivable that he's just a Hellboy Nazi. But it is just like, dude, you got to read the fucking room. Uh, and like the the tenor of the country right now. Yeah. But to be fair, to be fair, all things considered, it is a really good costume. <laughs> it is a really good costume, but it is just it's like, not. I don't care if it is Hellboy. It is like, weird. You <laughs> it's you not, have not to weird. read the read the temperature of the culture and then adjust your cosplay accordingly. accordingly. Yeah. It's it is like ooh um <laughs> because, because because at a certain point I'm going to start thinking that you're only doing Hellboy cosplay. So that you can dress like yeah, it's just like it felt. That's <laughs> what it felt like last. It's like you know, I think I know what you're doing, but it also feels like you're doing something else. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for everybody having fun, but I want to know that your fun doesn't lead to bad times for other folk. That's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of banging on here. I'm hoping that you're. I, I don't know because you look really good at your job, if you will. <laughs> So I it's, just, it's a little disturbing. I just love people getting pissed off about stuff that is so blatant. It's like, this is not a new, this is Wolfenstein. What, what like Wolfenstein, like, okay, yeah, I guess there were like monsters and shit. 
<laughs> yeah, but at the same, it's like they're not good people. Like uh, you know, it's not. <laughs> Even if they were good people, they're Nazis. Well, you don't you don't understand, Matt. Mengele was such a great babysitter in his day. He was always watching the kids, make sure they were in bed by nine, and uh, you know, did did you know let them stay up a little bit, but didn't let let them to get into too much shenanigans. Give them a chance. <laughs> so stupid. Come on, people. Get with it. This is so dumb. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, hey, man, stupidity is stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. I think fucking Forrest Gump got it right. Well, there's a, so, so here, so, so li- literally Wolfenstein tweets out uh, a picture that's uh, in, well, along with it, they say, make America Nazi free again. Right. <laughs> Uh, hashtag no more Nazis, hashtag Wolf 2, which is apparently their official hashtag. Um, people are responding with things like this. Oh, wow, what a clever marketing trick. Tapping into hysterical leftist power fantasy. So current, so subtly political. Wow, go fuck yourself. You, you do realize this game was probably at least bare minimum two, probably three to four years in in in, in development. Of course it was. But they don't, uh, way to make it political, not buy-in. Okay. <laughs> what? First of all, those games don't sell well anyway, so it's not going to, cool. you know. Cool. Didn't know Bethesda teamed with SJWs and Antifa. Oh, my gosh, people. Come on now. <laughs> Listen, like I am I am against SJWs the, and Antifa more than probably most people. But even uh, I'm like, this is that's but, a stupid but, comment. But, but the tweet that I just, like, RT'd that has those screenshots it just <laughs> says, imagine seeing the words no more Nazis and reacting like this. Yeah, it's... um. <laughs> And here's the oh thing, man. If you, if you think that's, uh, well, I, don't, I won't get in. It's just people are, just look, people are stupid. People are dumb. And, know. you know, there's not a, sadly, there's not a lot we can do about it. We just kind of got to uh, go, well, hey, look at the bright side. Mark Cuban might be running for president. Ugh, what a, what, another, <laughs> what another horrible idea. It's just like, look, man, you, you replace one bad idea with another bad idea. Don't make it a good idea. Yeah. Well. It's just, I don't. Let's just send us all to the sun. <laughs> Let's just get it over with. Can't there be a solar flare up and we all just crisp out, just start over, and just be like, "Look, man, we had, we had a good run, humankind." Oh no! So, since we're still doing the post show, okay. Um, here we go. Uh, in an interview, the remakes director of Flatliners, okay explains that he cut a moment that specifically tied Kiefer Sutherland's character to the events of the first movie because younger audiences were confused by it. Fuck them in their ass. Who cares? These people are stupid. That would be, that would have made the movie great. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. It frustrates me, man. Because stupid people couldn't figure it out. Well, guess what? No one went to see your fucking movie. How's that for confusing? Idiot. Well, so jeez. So, so the scene that he cuts is apparently is this. Uh, so it's just so nothing overtly ties it in. Um, Even a little bit. A, it would have been. But nice. there's a reference to how the how the fact that like uh, his name in the movie Doctor Wolfson is is just an alias. And and so here's what he explains in an interview with Collider. 
there was a scene with Kiefer Sutherland where he told it was in the very end of the film and he told this long this is a quote so it's why it's like this and he told this long strange story about a famous doctor that had death as his godfather and he does it super well and it's like two minutes long and Diego and Kiersey and James are sitting there as their characters staring at him thinking what the fuck is going on with him and he kind of end up ends up saying you uh you can't cheat death and believe me I know which trust me I know which was a scene that the older audiences liked because they got it. They were like, oh, he, he's changed his name, but he's Nelson from the old film. But the younger audience didn't understand Diddly Squat. They were like, "Why? what the hell is this guy talking about? So in the end, it slowed down the ending, and I just decided the younger audience, the new generation of Flatliners, is mainly who this film is for. And the audience, uh, the older audience can remember the old film. They, they, uh, they would know who Kiefer's character is, maybe. It's ambiguous, but they'll think that it's him anyhow. So dumb. They should have just left it in. F- fucking young people. Fuck them. They're not F- going to see it anyway. Yeah, exactly. They, they didn't go see this. The people that went to see it are people that probably already saw the thing and just wanted to see it, something. It's so dumb. <laughs> These people, man. I, I'm getting into, well, as per usual, I'm getting into fights with people on Facebook. Because the whole, uh, you've seen the whole thing about... Uh, Oh, what's her fuck coming out here? And uh, I, I guess everybody's opening up old, uh, old uh, a- allegations against you know one of the Weinstein's. Oh uh, well, look, Harvey's a giant piece of shit. No, so I'm not. And here's the thing: I, I never say that they're not pieces of shit because because they are. And I you know I know enough information, but people. And so this one dude just said, "People who ask what she waited for, because doors would have been closed for her forever in the entertainment industry." And I go, "That's just wildly untrue. People talk shit about the Weinsteins all the time, and motherfuckers still have plenty of work today." And everybody's just like, "Well, we'll fucking start naming names." And I'm just like, "I'm not going to sit here and like tell you all the fucking stories in there because it's not worth my fucking time to do so." But if you'd like, yeah. here's a book that you can read that will tell you all about that. Down and Dirty Pictures. It's a fantastic book. It's got tons of examples in it. Here's one, Billy Bob Thornton. Because he didn't take shit from those guys. And, you know, he, he called them motherfuckers to their faces and didn't care. You know, yep. he didn't care what his career would be like. He's just like, fuck you. Like, literally, words out of his face were, fuck you, I'm Billy Bob. Like, that's that's how he approached the situation. And, you know... But they're like, look, if you're not going to stay specific stuff, I'm just like, I gave you a fucking entire book to go read that can give you more information about this era. But I'm not it's not my job to sit here and educate you piece by piece, name by name. Uh, You know, fucking what's it? Peter Benchley is the fucker to to ask about that shit. He could probably tell you more succinctly than I could. Go read a book. It's Biskind. Biskind, not Jaws. Bentley wrote Jaws. That's where my brain was in the wrong place. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a great book. And and, uh-huh. it, and it will lay those things out for you. But, like, I, I like how people are just like, oh, well, it would have, like, you know, it was saving her career. I'm like, not really. Listen, I, and, I'm, and that's the thing. And that's what feels bad is because I'm not defending him because he is a scumbag. They're all assholes over there. But, you know, it's it's well, not his, like... His brother's it, all right. It's always been Harvey. You're right. It's really... Harvey, yeah. Bob's okay, but like... Bob's Harvey's more of the... Always he's always the kind of... Uh, if you ever hear Bob, he's, he's a little down here. And he's a little bit... Of, I just want to make little horror films over Dimension. He does. He just wants to run Dimension. He I just want to make little genre flicks and stuff because New Line's being a bunch of that. fucking assholes. Uh... Fuck Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, uh, so yeah, Harvey was a real dickhead. But like, if you and if you read the book, he doesn't come off in any good light whatsoever. He comes off as the monster that he is. 
but it's just like if people are just too stupid to look up something and want somebody else to like tell them everything. I'm like, give us a name. I'm like, well, I gave you a name and I gave you a book to go read that will give you more names and more situations. I can't help you beyond that because you're too fucking stupid and lazy to read. Fuck off. Uh, well, let's not go. Let's not you go throwing around lazy to read allegations. Hey, hey, okay? hey! If it's about a subject <laughs> that I like, I will. I will read it. Like that book. I read his book before that. I finished Patton Oswalt's book recently. I did that yeah, one. I, I know. If, I, I, if it's know. a subject well, I like, I'll, I'll read about it. I think recently was like a year and a half ago, so you got to pick up a new one soon. No, no, I finally <laughs> did read that one. That's the point. I read about halfway of it, and I got bored. So I finally finished it, and then uh, I'm, I'm what, here. What's, hold on. What's the book I'm? What's the book I'm reading right now? Hold on. I forgot the damn name of it. It's another. It's another old Hollywood one. Uh, Pictures at a re- at, at a revolution. Yeah, that one's good. So I'm I'm uh, about halfway through that right now. So I yeah I got listen if it's a subject that I'm interested in and I'm also finally uh, up to the point where I finished before of reading uh, uh, the No Effects book, which has the best which has one of the best titles in the world. Uh, no Effects, yeah. the hepatitis bathtub and uh, other uh, stories. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you. So Mark Mark Harris's book after uh, Pictures Out of Revolution. Uh, that came out last year five came back Uh which is also a documentary series that was on netflix um about uh five filmmakers who went to um sundance uh no who who like uh went to uh uh world war ii and, and like produced oh, a bunch of stuff. The then. story of Hollywood it, and the second world war. Yeah. So it's about uh, like John Ford and John Houston and Capra, Capra and Stevens. Weiler. Yeah. Ford, Weiler, yeah, George Houston, Stevens. Capra and Stevens. Yeah. Oh, I um, bet that is cool. I bet. Yeah. I'm that's, that's that next on the list. Fucking good. Yeah. I'm gonna get and, that one. And next. the documentary series is really good as well. Oh yeah. That's okay. Well, I'm already intrigued with that. Cause like this book is good so far and that's, That'll be that's that'll be next on the list. I I love Hollywood history books. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's. All right, uh, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Tune in next time. Burn, burn, burn.